Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this final day of 2020. This is Thursday, December the 31st of 2020. Truly, we have been on a journey, and uh, we are excited to be with you along with my brothers, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, to come to you again to uh, the listener. We we want to take the time to thank all of our listeners who are tuning in for taking out of your time to join us today, but also for joining us throughout these months and weeks. Uh, I think all of us, in some shape or form, if you've been uh, joining us, you have grown, and we pray that you have grown in the knowledge of God, that you have grown in, in, in your maturity, that you have drawn closer to the Lord. It's been such a year like no other. And I know my brothers can attest to what I'm saying. 2020 has been like no other. And I just want to take take the time to, to say thank you uh, as I uh, to my brothers too, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando. Uh, this has been a year that um, to remember for the rest of our lives. And I know we are truly grateful that God has helped us because you can only do these things by permission and by the strength of the Lord. Uh, because we're not just coming to you with just a, you know, a Bible study, a topical Bible study. Uh, we're coming to you with the word of God. And and that's a big responsibility. And, and I thank God, uh, uh, you know, for the help that God has given us and for the efforts that uh, all, all my brothers have made in, in, in bringing you uh, excellency in, 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 in the word of God. So I'm excited and I'm grateful for you, Brother Marty, grateful for you, Brother Fernando, that uh, God has touched us and has helped us throughout this year. As we go into 2021, uh, as long as we have breath and as long as we have a chance, uh, we pray that we can continue to bring the word of the Lord. We're excited today. There's much to say in our spirits, in our hearts, and I want to give the ample time today. This is our last podcast of the year, and uh, we will be heading, Lord willing, into 2021. So, Brother Marty, I'm going to leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart uh, as we close out with these last last podcasts. You know, this morning as I was, uh, uh, you know, running, doing a little running, I was just meditating and and all that uh, all that God has allowed us to uh to see yesterday was was a very intimate podcast we had i believe it was a word of the lord of the purification of the church brother marty and one of the things that i was uh thinking about was a few months when you taught about uh the the washing of of Jesus's feet how Jesus embodied the church itself as a whole but the washing of feet was a type of the washing of an end time church and yesterday you touched a little bit on it, on how, uh, uh, you know, Jesus was preparing as he washed his, his uh, disciples' feet to go right before Gethsemane. And that was, that's just tremendous, uh, what, what we spoke about yesterday. And all the things that we have been able to go through through the year, uh, I think it's good to uh, remember and uh, all the things that God has shown us. So, Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. 2020, what a year. And uh, 
we're looking forward to the coming year. With each passing moment, we know we're drawing closer to the return of the king, the one and the true and the only rightful ruler of this planet. All men come and go. Kingdoms have risen and fallen, but the dominion belongeth to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, <laughs> and man, I can't wait till he returns, and we're looking forward to that day. And as we close out this year, we're going to continue to, as is our custom, go forward in what we believe the Lord is saying as we conclude the year. And we're going to be speaking uh, today on what we believe the Lord has done and, more importantly, where we're headed. We've already begun to enter into it, but 2021, we believe uh, if we were to put a signpost in the ground and say, Say something about it, I'd say it's going to be called Gethsemane, a place called Gethsemane, and that's what we're going to look at today. So yesterday we spoke of the upper room, you know, where the Last Supper occurred. And the Lord performed, as we talked about yesterday, a purification of his apostles by washing their feet on the way to Gethsemane. And 2020, in many respects, is that if you can see it it's been for his saints this whole year has really been a purification process you know the lockdowns began in the season of passover here in america in march and april our last supper in many ways uh began there our lord has spent this year purifying his saints and whether you realize it or not, that's really what's what's been happening, purification of the saints. We've seen a real interesting thing take place, you know, the separation of, of many people in this year, uh, and especially with the shutting of the churches and the false prophets, you know, <laughs> in, in, in mass came out and began to say things early on in the year that proved to be absolutely just that false. That's why we call them false prophets. And we encourage you going forward uh, into 2021, quit listening to them people, if, if you ever did, uh, because they're going to do everything they can to, to maintain their position. But if you remember that podcast we did, it was Hezekiah who reopened the doors of the Lord. It wasn't Ahaz. He wasn't allowed to open the doors. It was Hezekiah. And I believe that's what God is doing. He's He's moving by his spirit. I think we're returning to the book of Acts. I think that the church is going to go underground, as it already has been in 2020. I think the platforms that we have made available to us as we use the podcast, YouTube channels, Instagram, other things, uh, that are out there, uh, like <laughs> like the Lord is going to allow us to use going forward, uh, is going to to continue to develop a church in the house. That's what we saw in the book of Acts. They met from house to house. They broke bread daily, and the Lord increased his church. Without satellite TV, without an advertising budget, without, what what they what the brothers say, brother? Uh, Big screen, skinny jeans, and fog machines. <laughs> there won't be any of that. Uh, 
but we thank God for what he's doing. But again, like we said, we believe all the things we've been going through really is a heat, a purification process, a washing of the water of the word is what we've been experiencing as we've been seeking the Lord daily and coming to you. That is what the word is when John spoke of the washing of the water of the word. You know, the word is Jesus Christ and, and the water is his word. He is that water. And the more that you spend time in his word, the more uh, we're washed and cleansed and our feet are purified. And I think that's what 2020 has been around uh, about. So as 2020 is closing, uh, as it closes, uh, we now believe that 2020, 2021 um, is going to take us to the next phase, which is Gethsemane. As we said, it began in Passover season this year especially in the United States, March, April. At the Last Supper, uh, they were purified and had much revealed to them. And when they left that place, he brought them to Gethsemane. And I think it's, it's, it's not without note to, uh, to point that out, that as we close out 2020, this is where we are in the Word. So Gethsemane is where things are decided, where understanding is given, and so with that in mind, let's look ahead to 2020 and see what's coming. Brother Jeremy, could you begin our study today, if you would, please, in Mark chapter 14. And please read with a, read to us, Brother, uh, verse 32 through 36, would you? In Jesus' name. Amen. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit ye here, while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter, and James, and John, and began to be sore amazed, and to be very heavy. And saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch. And he went forward a little, and fell on the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. I suppose as we head into 2021, that is going to be the fellowship that we enter in with the Lord. That very much, that declaration will be settled. Not what I will, Lord, but what you will. Thy will be done. And that is where we're headed. And, and as, we, as we've been teaching throughout the year, the Bible teaches us that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy, Revelation 19.10. And also Isaiah 46. 9 and 10, I believe it is, where he says, I declare the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end and from ancient times, those things which are not yet done. So what we're, what we're, what we're doing is applying those keys and understanding that all scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit and is a prophecy at its most uh, uh, dissected levels as you get into it and, and you dig into it and you're led by the Spirit, you begin to realize that the Gospels themselves, the, the writings of the prophets, the, the stories throughout the Scripture, they are, yes, indeed historical narrative, but they are also 
for the saint, for the wise, for those who understand, for those that develop in the things of God, the eyes begin to be opened and we realize that things are far greater, far more uh, uh, in-depth uh, as, we, as we mature and begin to see and gain understanding from those things for the times that we live. And so Jesus leads his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, verse 32. The word Gethsemane literally means the place of the oil or the olive press. It's the place where the, the holy anointing oil that lit the menorah that was used for, for anointing oil in the temple, in the house of God, it, it's there that it was produced. And like we talked about yesterday, before you get there, you have to go through purification. We talked about yesterday the great discovery that happened in Israel, as reported in the Times of Israel on December 21st, where they found the ritual purification bath known as the mikvah attached to Gethsemane and it was the first time that they had uh, discovered something that they could directly link to the second temple period which was the time of Jesus 2,000 years ago and so we believe that's a very symbolic thing if you have eyes to see that what the Lord was revealing as we close out 2020 is the next phase is ahead of us our attention is turned toward the Holy Land where a discovery was made and it seems to be telling us we're about to enter in to that Gethsemane experience. That is what 2020 is going to be like, we believe, and especially early on. Now, it's interesting because Jesus leads them there after purifying them. We believe 2020 is about purification of the saints in preparation for what lies ahead. And so they come to this place of the pressing. Having been purified, they're now about to go into a different level with the Lord, an incredible level. Because remember, on the other side of this garden experience is the revelation of, of, a, of a state-run, backslidden establishment church in cahoots, if you will, with the global empire, Rome, led by the betrayer, the one possessed with Satan, Judas, a type of the Antichrist. All of that is waiting on the outside of the garden, but the garden has to be gone through. And this is what we talked about early as we began this podcast, is that the garden itself is designed to be a prophetic uh, foreshadow or a prophetic declaration to the end time church of what it uh, needs to understand it's going to go through. Many people recoil at the idea of Gethsemane, but Gethsemane is not the <laughs> is not the place that uh, that we need to be concerned with Gethsemane is the preparation place it's the it's the place of surrender to the revealed word of god and in this case it's a it's a type and a shadow uh for the end time church that perfectly correlates with the revelation of the writing of the prophets and the holy apostles the book of revelation when we see all the component pieces that the lord himself endured for us and ahead of us but also in that act and in leading his disciples there, we are seeing something extraordinary. And it echoes down through time, and it has come to rest in our day. So he takes them to Gethsemane, and he says to his disciples in verse 32, he says, you sit here uh, while I go and pray, or while I shall pray. And then he takes, in verse 33, Peter, James, and John, 
and begins to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. Let's break this down a little bit because there's mysteries here that we need to look at and things that will be very instructional. And we are asking the Holy Spirit to help us communicate these things so that, so that we can get an understanding or at least begin the process of, of these meditative pathways where we can begin to allow the Spirit to, to, to cause us to sink into the deep water, if you will. And that's what we're going to look at today because we're being taught something here. If indeed 2020 is going to become that Gethsemane experience, especially early on, then we're going to need uh, to, to focus and see what, what by the Spirit, humbly we say so, we can extract from this. What's the first thing that we see in verse 32 and 33? We know that there's only 11 disciples that are left. Judas has gone off and become uh, that foreshadow of the Antichrist. He is the betrayer. He is the son of perdition. He is completely possessed by Satan as he goes to join himself with a false church and the Roman government subsequently, both Jew and Gentile, in a corrupted state. And in leading a procession toward the Lord, what we're literally seeing is he goes forward to make war with the saints, if you can receive what I'm saying here. But listen, let's take a look at this. In verse 33, he separates Peter, James, and John. We'll get that to them in a second here. But what that tells us, right off the bat, is that he has taken eight of his disciples and he has set them in the, in the garden. And, and the garden itself, uh, as we will see, is then broken up into three sections. It's the outer part of the garden where the eight are. He takes Peter, James, and John a little further into the interior of the garden. And then he himself separates from them into the most interior part of the garden. There's something that we need to see here that is very, very incredible and in what is actually taking place. Remember, let's take a look at the outer part of the garden and how many are there. There's eight. And eight is a very significant number. It's, it's symbolic of the church. And it's a mystery that teaches us something. It's part of the church that remains in the place that the Lord appoints for it. And when he separates Peter, James, and John, they become a type or a figure, as we'll see here. And so what we're first going to begin to understand is all of us are going to be led there. But there are different components within the Gethsemane experience that are experienced uh, separately. And there are different responsibilities that are going to emerge as we head into the next year here. But nonetheless, we're all coming here. Now, we have to ask the question, why did he separate the eight to begin with? And there's many ways of looking at it, but nonetheless, understand that they're there. Now, we have to understand what's happening here. Prophecy is being fulfilled. But more than prophecy, brothers and my brothers and sisters out there, more than just surface, if you can say it that way, prophetic fulfillment, the obvious, in other words. We know this by what 
what Mark reveals concerning Jesus. And remember, the Gospel of Mark was written by Mark, who was the nephew of, of Apostle Peter. And so, you know, Peter had an insight in verse 33, along with James and John, to a much more intimate uh, eyewitness account of what was actually taking place with Jesus. So further information is given to Mark that isn't included in, in the other accounts of, of, of Gethsemane. But nonetheless, let's take a look at this. There is a mystery here that's being revealed in how Jesus did what he did. He, he separated the eight for a specific purpose. And it's the first thing that we need to understand, but let's look at it from a very much more grown-up perspective here as the economy of the Spirit unfolds. What's about to happen in Gethsemane, as we said, is things are, are being determined. Things were already set in motion. It's going to culminate with the representative uh, of the devil himself, uh, the Antichrist coming in the form of Judas, the false church, in the form of the, the Sanhedrin and the temple guards, and then ultimately Pilate, the Roman government, the final beast system, if you will. And so something is being produced. Remember, when you come to Gethsemane, it is where the, the holy anointing oil is produced. And something's being produced here in the spirit. This is highly spiritual what's happening. And so the Lord doesn't do anything just to do it. He is such, that's why they call him the master. He's the Lord of all creation. He's God manifested in the flesh. And so everything that he did affected everything that is. And with that kind of an understanding, we have to understand what that implies is incredible creative power and act and declaration within the multiple dimensions of where all things are affected by the will of God, in this case, the son of the living God. So he's telling us something. And we're going to have to understand what that is at many levels. But one of the things that is happening here, now remember, if you can receive it here, is is the symbol of eight, because he separates the eight. Well, what is the symbol of eight? And I was doing some research on that, and and I came across a very interesting thing here, and I and I believe this is what's happening. Uh, the as I went into the what the ancient rabbi said when it comes to eight, this is what they said. They said eight uh, is symbolic. Listen to this, of an entity that is one step above uh, the material world or the natural order of things. It is higher than nature and therefore higher than nature's limitations. And then they tie it to Hanukkah. That's why Hanukkah is eight days long. The greatly outnumbered Maccabees resolved to battle the Greeks and, and they're and they're reduced down to this small number is a is for us a figure a type of a remnant really it's a small number of people as it relates to Hanukkah who battled the Greeks under the <laughs> under the leadership of Antiochus Epiphanes if you remember who is the one who defiled the temple he in his time was an antichrist he 
was the one who erected the abomination of desolation in that time. He is the one who defiled the Holy of Holies. And so the number eight is always reflective of, of that miracle of Hanukkah, which tells the story of the defeat of an Antichrist figure and then the miracle of the establishment of a new menorah, a new representative of the church itself. And that with one day supply of oil, it's called the miracle of the light. And so these Maccabees, they drew on the reservoir of faith and courage that are not part of normal human nature. They therefore merited a miracle higher than nature and a miracle that lasted eight days. And to commemorate this, the Jews light the Hanukkah eight-branched menorah. And I love what they wrote here. In a similar vein, they circumcise their children when they're eight days old as babies the number eight again, because it symbolizes the nation's supernatural and logic-defying covenant with God. Now, I don't think, based on what they think, I began to realize that why Jesus separated eight, he was trying to draw our attention to the miracle of Hanukkah, he was trying to draw our attention to the story that is precisely about the defeat of Antiochus Epiphanes, a foreshadow of the Antichrist, and that the eight that he separated are representative of that holy church that's about to be born and is about to experience a supernatural revelation of the Spirit of God, unlike any church before it. These things are being determined in the Gethsemane place. He's working it out in the spirit. He's creating a new house, a house that needs to be cleansed. Are you with me, brothers? Amen. <laughs> Any thoughts so far? No incredible connection that you made there with... Uh... Uh, how the rabbis viewed number eight in connection to Hanukkah. I mean, it just immediately triggers uh, um, prophetic rev hidden revelation, right? Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then, you know, as, as you go on, we understand what Gethsemane is. It's, it's where the, uh, the, the, the pressing of the olive, which produces yeah. the oil, right? So it's, it's yeah. an incredible, incredible finding there. Right, and, and that one that one day of oil represented by the Lord Himself, right? He is the olive being crushed, right? Right. But he's but he's the light of the world. He's Hallelujah. He's the light of his church. And that's what he was saying. See what was being dealt with here and what will be dealt with according to the scriptures that and this is why we're talking about it heading into twenty twenty one, is Gethsemane is that place. We have a fellowship with these brothers. We have a fellowship with the early church that has yet to be fully realized and will only be realized in that ultimate expression of the end-time church. We have reached that time. And so what we are seeing then is that we are being told, you're about to go through the ultimate fulfillment 
of what it is the Lord himself walked through. And so he's moving symbolically by separating the eight in the garden, in the outer court of the garden. He separates the eight and says, you stay here, I'm going to pray. He ever lives to make intercession for you and me. But what he was doing was symbolically speaking to those that can see it, that as you enter into the Gethsemane time, what is going to transpire is the revelation of the betrayer, the, the corruption of the false church, and the solidification of a Roman government that will seek, in our time, we call it the Antichrist beast system, that will seek to make war with the saints, represented by what they did in the arresting of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He embodied it all, but was leaving symbolic breadcrumbs, if you will, for the time that the end-time church would begin to go into a Gethsemane to look back at the story and understand what is happening. So he separates the eight, and in many ways, he's telling us this is connected to that same thing that happened. Because what happened, remember brothers? When the eight, the eight branch menorah, it was all about the cleansing of a temple that had been defiled. The abomination of desolation, which Daniel spoke of. It occurred in, in, in the first occurrence. In the second temple, it occurred. And he brought a, an image into the temple of Zeus, Antiochus Epiphanes did. And he defiled the altar of God by offering a, a, a defiled sacrifice of a swine on that altar and thoroughly caused the house of God to become desolate. And so the whole story of the Hanukkah is just that. We just came out of that season, by the way. The eight days of Hanukkah con uh, coincided with the great <laughs> conjunction of 2020 and the discovery of Gethsemane on the same day. All of this has been happening as we're closing out 2020. It is why by the Spirit, if you can hear it, we are, we are absolutely convinced we're entering into this 2021 Gethsemane moment. It's already begun, actually. Uh, the purification is closing out. We're, we're being led there now, and we're being led there with the particular understanding that what's on the other side of this, what has already been set in motion. Remember, Judas is gone already. He's already in the night. He's been revealed already. My Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, Also, uh, Hanukkah means, the meaning of Hanukkah is consecration. And, and that's what Jesus was doing with his disciples, right? Setting them apart. And that's that's what that's what Hanukkah means. It means consecration to set apart. That's interesting. Okay. So let's take that thought for a brief second there. What does that mean to you? What is he saying then to the church as a whole? Right. Right? He's beginning right. to take a church and consecrate and separate it. That's where he leads us to. That's where he's leading the church to. And we'll get into it in a second here, but then he separates Peter, James, and John. What he is doing is so incredible, and what it reveals to us for 2021 is something we better take note of. And we will see this in a second here. 
He was he was moving symbolically, for lack of a better word, or metaphorically, for an end time church to understand that when you see the events that that we've seen and what they saw in their time, he's alerting us to the fact that this is about Hanukkah, if you will. This is about the 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 cleansing of a future abomination that's coming, the abomination of desolation. It's just over the horizon. The end of it is the one that was crushed for us, our Lord, that precious oil will be sufficient to bring us to the eighth day. Because that's what they <laughs> that's what it means, but I don't want to get too far out there. Now listen, we're already far out as it is, right? So so he separates them. Now let's move along here because the next thing that we're told, can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, in verse 33? Yes. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed and lo, be very, and to be very heavy. All right. So let's break this down real quick. What's the next thing we're going to see? Right now, like Brother Jeremy so you know, astutely pointed out, it, it means the consecration of a church. And and what is that that separates that church or consecrates it? It's coming into Gethsemane. There's a whole bunch of people there at the Passover at this time this story is being recorded. The, the the hills of Jerusalem were dotted with pilgrims and, and tents, if you remember. It's Passover season, right? And and so, but all of them are outside the garden. It's the eight that he separates. It's speaking of an end-time church. There may be many out there that appear to be part of what it is that is called the church, but it was the eight that symbolized this is the church that he's now building. This is what Gethsemane is about. He's bringing it to a place where it will, in its full and total fulfillment, be representative of a new body of Christ, of a new temple filled with the oil of God that brings us to the eighth day that Peter talked about in his writings. Now listen, he now separates Peter, James, and John, and he uses the word here, he taketh with him. The word taketh is very insightful because what I believe we're now beginning to witness and what we're going to see here is that the Lord was creating a picture of the temple. You have the eight representing the body of Christ, if you will, the church in the outer court. That's where he put them in Gethsemane, out there. They're still in Gethsemane, but they're in the outer part of it. He then takes Peter, James, and John and separates them and brings them into a more interior part. This is a picture of the temple. There's an outer court, and there's an inner court, the holy place. That's important to understand, because he's doing this, and by doing this, he is taking territory in the spirit. Listen. When it says he taketh, it means to have an intimate association with. And it means to assume an office. Take your place in an office. What they represent, Peter, James, and John, are that that associated ministry 
that Jesus is now bringing as we cross over into 2020, if you can receive it, 2021, if you can receive it, he is selecting a ministry. They are going to be the first ones to know something. They are going to be the ones that go that are, are separated and sanctified so that when they come out, they will be a minister or a ministry to their brethren, the church, in the outer court, so to speak. The word take means to be intimately associated with, to assume an office. Number one, what is about to be revealed, it also means must not be rejected. And if you dig into the word of the word taketh, it means uh, it must not, uh, you must not uh, withhold obedience to what is about to be revealed. Something was about to be revealed to Peter, James, and John, the ministers. The, the the office holders. It also means listen to this. The word take is it when you break it down, it also means to receive something that's being transmitted. Kind of like a radio receiver, right? Uh, something's being transmitted, but you have to dial in and once you dial into the signal, not the noise, but the signal, you're now able to hear clearly what's actually being said. Something is being revealed here in this story, and what is what we're being told is the ministry is about to have and is having a revelation being transmitted to it by the Spirit in Gethsemane and what's about to be revealed. Therefore, we can say it this way, 2021 is going to have revelation given of the task that lies ahead. He always reveals first to his servants so that they can reveal to his church. The eight in the outer part of the Garden of Gethsemane, they represent that church, a cleansed church. But the ministry of Peter, James, and John is that which Jesus takes further so that he, they can be witnesses and also receivers of what's about to be revealed because the Lord's about to tell them something. So the eight is the church in general, and the three represent really many things. They represent the holy place. Now, remember, in the outer court, you had the, the, the brazen labor, you had the altar, the brazen altar, the two elements in the outer court that were common to the church. But when you go into the holy place, there's three things there. There's the table of showbread, there's the seven-branched menorah, and there's the altar of incense. Now, in many ways, they also, what Jesus was doing was bringing with him a representation of, <laughs> of the church of Israel and of the faith that would be the, the, the catalyst that would bring forth his church. How's that? Well, it's revealed in the names of Peter, James, and John. See, Peter is that rock, right? He said, his faith, flesh and blood, hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven and upon this rock, this this belief that Peter said, thou art the son of the living God. It represents faith, declaration. Peter, in many senses, can represent that piece and element of furniture in the temple itself, which is the altar of incense. It's there we offer our prayers, right? Peter is the rock. James is very interesting because his name means the one who supplants or the supplanter. He's a representative of Jacob. That's what they called him, the supplanter. That's what Jacob means. 
and, and in that sense, then James can also represent the table of showbread, which is the 12 loaves of Israel, bread in, in the holy place. He represents Israel, redeemed. And, and there's also John, which means Jehovah is gracious or the grace of Jehovah. And so he represents the Gentile church, or if you will, the seven-branch menorah, which is what he reveals in the book of Revelation, <laughs> chapter 2 and 3, the seven-branch Gentile church. All of them go further into the garden. They are a picture of how leadership within the final day and this Gethsemane experience is going to be made up of both Jew and Gentile who approach God by faith and intercession, so forth and so on. We see a leadership here. Think about it, and the Lord give you insight. So the Lord is creating a temple. That's what he's doing. He's, he's separating his disciples into these number groups. He's selecting the, the individuals, but he's doing something. He's creating something. What he's doing in the natural is reverberating throughout the dimensions. It's happening. It's being constructed. By the very act in the natural realm, it's reverberating across the landscape of the spirit world. And so we see the outer court in the eight. We see the holy place in the three. But then we see the holy of holies in the one. Verse 35 says, after we'll get into 33 and 34 in a second, but just to emphasize that, it's after he separates them, he goes forward in verse 35, a little further away from them, falls on the ground and begins to pray and begins to intercede. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But again, you see the separation, the eight in the outer court, the three in the inner court or the Holy of Holies, and the one by himself in the innermost part of the garden. This is the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest can go in there. And that's what we see. He's creating a spiritual house, and he's battling for it. My Lord. Any thoughts, brothers? Amen. He, he is our high priest, right? Um, John 17 uh, bears that out in his prayer. Yes. Uh, he's praying for the whole nation that the church would be, right? Composed of both yes. Jew and Greek. Absolutely. Praise God. So, and, and, at the, and, and it represents in, in verse 35, which you just read, that holy of holies, <laughs> which you said is it, yeah. the three-part right temple, right? Where he left yeah. first initially in the outer courts, the eight, uh, eight, eight disciples, the three went into the holy place, but Jesus goes first into the holy of holies. And that's yes. a picture of what he would do first, right? After his resurrection, yes. he's the first one in, to enter there. Then that we may enter also. Praise God. So many beautiful uh, symbolisms here. And again, and yes, and, and again, remember, this is what we're seeing as we, as we enter into 2021. This is what is being told to us. You're going to have a consecrated church beginning to be brought up under this Gethsemane experience but you're also going to have a ministry that is going to go and receive the transmission. See, they witnessed the Lord's agony. They witnessed and heard his words. He told them what was happening. 
the very act of the Son of God in what he was doing, understand it was causing vibrations. Earthquake-like tremors are, it's the great crack in the earth, if you will. It's, it's, it's the thunder in the heavens. It's the lightning flashing. I mean, it's, it's the trumpets in the heavens. This is what everything is coming down to. And he's working it out in the natural by what he's doing. He's symbolizing the taking of territory. Hallelujah. And, and, and this is what's being announced to us right now. It's why the whole world is going crazy. He's coming. And the devil knows it, right? We've talked about it ad, ad infinitum, man. The devil knows that he has but a short time. And so all hell is breaking loose. Just as this began to happen, all hell began to break loose and come down on the Lord and his church. And that's why he says to them, he takes them, right? He associates, this is the ministry. He associates with these three, Peter, James, and John. Preacher, if you're out there, Bible school teacher, whoever you are, even just the saint, you know, because we're all called to be priests, right, of the Lord and have the ministry of reconciliation. Understand, you are about to have a revelation in 2021 and a transmission, because that's literally what the Greek words mean, to have something transmitted to you. But what's coming to you, what is going to dawn on you, is exactly what Jesus is about to say. And we'll dig into that. But the ramifications of what's being revealed at a higher level necessitates a response in an obedience. And the Lord projects that to us when we're allowed to have recorded what he prayed, not my will. This is... This is the very most intense thing that we're going to talk about. Not my will. We'll get there in a second. But let, listen, what we are learning from the Lord is what will be revealed in 2021. It's begun. The purification process has, has happened and will continue to happen. But in large measure, that's what this year has been around. So that leads us to Gethsemane now. It's the, it's the fulfillment, it's the fruit, it's the giant manifestation and the culmination of the ages. It's coming down to this time. A church is being consecrated and a ministry is being brought deeper. And what is being transmitted to that ministry must then be taken out of the garden and take to the church and tell them where we are. Although all of us, are going to experience this. So let's go deeper. It says he took them. We've just discussed that. And then it says this in verse uh, 33. He takes with him Peter, James, and John. We just discussed that. And then it says he began to be sore, amazed, and very heavy. This is, this is profound because remember, <clears throat> they're witnessing this. And by, by him allowing them to witness this, subsequently what is being told us, what is about to happen to us, we believe going forward in 2021, if indeed we're entering into a Gethsemane experience, the, the phrase began to be, it comes from the word arkomahi, arkomahi. It means precedent in order of time. 
it literally means the chief ruler. He, as the chief magistrate, so to speak, as the son of the living God, the king of kings, enters into a position now. And 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 his but but remember he associated with them he took them in an intimate association to put them in an office a functioning office a place of authority but he went through it first but he brought them in order to alert us in our time that there is an office to assume for those that have been delegated to assume it and receive the transmission if you will and become the faithful oracles of God in this time. Now, listen, in precedent, in order of time, and then something, it says, began to be, it also means to rehearse from the beginning. So what was actually beginning to happen is that Jesus and and the three, the three were coming up under the influence of it, but Jesus himself, it's revealed to us, begins to rehearse something from the beginning. His humanity, his perfect humanity, his high priest role in this moment, what seems to be being implied here in the Gethsemane moment is that suddenly a revelation, a full picture for our benefit now. It's not like he didn't know, but we're being told this for our benefit because the same thing is going to happen. He begins to get a big picture revelation of the beginning of all things. What things? The things that necessitated him coming to the earth to begin with. The ultimate rebellion of Satan. He's taken all the way back to the beginning and and, and starts from there in the spirit. And it begins to be downloaded into him like a movie. If I don't even know how else to say it. I mean, how can we describe this moment? But literally what it is saying in these Greek words is that at that moment, as he brings his his associate ministers with him, he's beginning to, to have unveiled to him the purpose for which he's there. He he has He's being given an understanding on our behalf. He already knew everything, right? So I'm saying it from the perspective of humanity. This is what's being told us, is he begins to understand. Because what we're about to witness is an arrest, a trial, a whipping, a beating, a Calvary experience, the persecution of the saints embodied in the great Lord of glory. He's living out the ultimate destiny for his end-time church. And subsequently, that association and fellowship of understanding is going to be given to those that he gives it to so that they can give it to others. It will be transmitted. And don't think this is a light thing we're talking about here. I do not have the capacity to put it in you to make you understand. But all I can do is tell you a revelation is coming because it's in the revelation. It's in the understanding of what this is all about, what it's always been about. It's the abolishing of death that our Lord took control over. He abolished death and brought to light immortality. This is what we're talking about. We're not talking about a temporary existence for 70 or 80 years. We're not talking about, 
you know, uh, you know, I, I want my Rolls Royce and a five-star resort vacation. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about the temporary things of this world that are all going to be dissolved. We're talking about what God says. We're talking about the revelation of the plan, the unfolding of God. And in order to endure what we're, we're being propelled toward for a, for a moment, an hour, Jesus said it consistently, it's an hour of trial. It's an hour of temptation. It's the hour of darkness. It's not an age, it's an hour. It's, 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 it's quick, but it's potent. But the end thereof, coming out the other end thereof, it's all been in the plan of God. He's dealing with the death question, and that question has to still yet be settled. Jesus has proclaimed it and staked a claim over eternity because the Holy Spirit rose him from the dead and declared him to be the Son of God by the resurrection of the dead through the Spirit of holiness, Romans chapter 1, verse 4, I think it is. But the outworking of it, the, the reeling in of the reward and the prize, the taking away of the first to establish the second, all of that is happening here. And it's now come as almost like a wave that crashes on the shore and then the energy of it dissipates out onto the shoreline. We're at the end of the wave and it's now come before us. And the culmination of the ages is going to be the return of the Lord. But the revelation of it will be given to all of us an understanding of big picture things. That's what began to happen. The veil between the natural and the spirit realm was ripped wide open for the Lord. He began to be, and it took him all the way back to eternity past. He saw the beginning, and the word ark o amehi also means he saw the beginning way back in eternity past in order to make a new beginning. He had to see it in order to make something new. That's what's being said here. And it also comes from the word arco, to be first in it. He went before us. Take up your cross and follow me. He's, he's going through these things for our benefit now. Now, he began to be, and the word, the next word is in verse 33, he began to be sore amazed. What he saw, the word or amazed. It literally means to be absolutely, utterly astonished, to be thrown into a mental position of terror, to be absolutely and thoroughly alarmed. And at the same time, the root word ekthambos is what it means, ekthambos. It means to be greatly wondering, and thambos means to be rendered immovable. This is how intense this was. And we must prepare ourselves and understand this is how intense it's going to be. Because what he saw, what he understood, he would come to pray for us and say things for us so that we would lay hold of it. He went before us in order to prove to us it can be done but he yet had to surrender his will to it. Now listen, what he saw was the, was the collapse, or for lack of a better word, because we weren't there, right? But when Lucifer fell, he plunged everything outside of heaven itself. He plunged everything 
every realm, every existing place where there's where there's activity and rulers and principalities and power, everything throughout the enormous scope of the creative process of God when he brought all things into being, he plunged it all into darkness and death. He unleashed a virus that corrupted everything. And yet in the economy of the wisdom of almighty God, he knew it would happen. And this is where Jesus was taken. His humanity was taken there. He's God manifested in the flesh. He knows, and I know this is hard for some of you, God is a spirit. He knew as the spirit of God, 100% God, yet 100% man. His humanity was allowed to see this for our benefit so that we could understand too. He brought it by soul and revelation into the earth so that his church in the end and throughout the ages really would be able to wrap themselves into it should he choose to reveal it throughout the generations. But it culminates in an end-time Gethsemane generation. They are the ones who know. They are the ones who are brought to Gethsemane because they are the culmination, just as the early church was the beginning, the last day church is the end. And they experience simultaneously the same fellowship of the sufferings of Christ, prophetic things being unfolded and realized and manifested. What he saw was so astonishing as to utterly freeze him in place. He was so amazed. And that same kind of thing is just ahead of us. You're going to see things and understand them from the perspective of the spirit because we're in Gethsemane. Information is being downloaded and transmitted to us not just information so that we'll know something, but information so that we'll know how to respond to it. And we must yield to it at a high level of spiritual maturity that can only be realized by the crushing of an olive, by the stripping away of our own uh, selfishness and ego and propensity to sin. That's why he cleansed their feet before he took them there. I'm out. <laughs> So what we learn is we are going brother to Marty, at a deep in level. Jesus, Go ahead, brother. In Jesus' uh, intercession in John 17, uh, after, you know, after Gethsemane, um, he said this, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Wow. So he's 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 now uh, praying to the Father to fulfill the eternal purpose. Yes. From the beginning of creation, before man was created, to yes. fulfill it in himself. Mm -hmm. Now think about that. You're talking about information, revelation, uh, being uh, dispensed. A oh, good uh, word. And he brings. And, and bringing his three disciples who would write epistles uh, or uh, who, who would write ultimately, you know, uh, epistles to the church concerning these things, but not, but, but, but also the eternal purpose of how salvation would come and why it was needful. Right. And, yeah. and again, you have all these things taking place in Gethsemane. 
right? So in essence, we're given a revelation, if we have eyes to see, into the very rebellion that took place in heaven, manifesting itself in the earth with uh, Judas and and the high priest coming to arrest Jesus. Judas, the type of antichrist, the one who is possessed of the devil, right? So in Gethsemane, he is giving us revelation as to the eternal purpose of God that was only known by the Father. Yes. That was in him being revealed to us in such a deep manner. If we have eyes to see, I mean, this is so powerful. You know, so, so yes, that's exactly what's taking place in, in the garden there. Praise God. Amen, brother. And, and, and there's a component, for lack of a better word, of what you just said there that, that made me think of what you, what you were just saying there, that, and what I've been trying to say, which is that the fact that our Lord, uh, you know, as a man, perfect God-man, uh, is experiencing this in Gethsemane, a foreshadow of an end-time Gethsemane. He downloaded it as a, a, in his human soul. His spirit was never touched. Remember when, <laughs> when in the book of Hebrews, it reveals to us that that for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, right? That through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver us who through all our lifetime have been subject to bondage through the fear of death. But before that, it says, insomuch that the children were partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook part of the same. So the part he took, uh, the, the part that he took, uh, put, partook part of the same, that part, not whole, is the soul. That's why he goes on to talk about the soul in, in verse uh, 34. Could you read verse 34 real quick, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And say, and say it unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. So he, he draws our attention to the conflict. It's the soul. It's the, it's the humanity of him, not his spirit. Although he's there, right? But it's his soul. He's experiencing this as a human being, as a human. What makes us human (laughs) is the soul. It's the seed of our emotions, our mind, our will. It's that which makes us sentient. It's that, it's the consciousness. It's that which animates this vehicle we call a body. David said, I'm wondrously made, right? I mean, I live in a, in a flesh computer, if you will. I mean, that's what it is. It's a biological computer that's animated by the soul. When he talks about the soul, that is truly the essence of humanity, perfect humanity. And he was allowed to see in his humanity what, and thereby create a pathway for us to see it too. If he had done it any other way, then he would have had the assistance, in a sense, and a measure. If you can, I'm not talking light stuff here, so he would have had the assistance, if you will, 
that would have disqualified his representation of humanity. He had to do it as the perfect man, the second Adam, the life-giving spirit. He had to do it as the perfect man. And so he had to experience what he's experiencing, what Brother Fernando was so beautifully just describing there, so that so that in so doing, it becomes possible and yes, even required as he brings his church through the end time to have that available revelation given to us because it becomes the anchor of our soul. He went before us. It's like the first guy that climbed Everest, right? No one thought anyone could climb Mount Everest until the first guy did it. And now a bunch of people can climb it. It's the same thing with the guy who broke the four-minute mile, right? No one thought that could ever happen. Well, as soon as that happened, now we got all kinds of world records. In that you know, bad example I just gave, the Lord went before us and accomplished it and received it and lived it as the perfect man in order to forge the way for his human children by his spirit, his Holy Spirit in us to have that same fellowship. What Brother Fernando was just talking about, it was so deep in, in that he, he mentioned Revelation 7, I mean, John 17 in the prayer. Now we begin to get an understanding of what he was praying. Even deeper so when he said, I would uh, that they would be one even as we are one. And then he goes on to say, I in them, uh, you know, you and me. And he's talking about a perfect symmetry and a meshing together of his church with the same sense of that dimensional eternal realm forever, forever. He's bringing us there, his family. Ah, uh, listen. <laughs> that's what's happening here, and that's where we're headed. We're go ahead. Hebrews buddy. Hebrews calls him the forerunner. Uh, it says, "Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest for even after the order of Melchizedek." That's what you're talking about. He went yes. before us, right? In other parts of uh, of uh, Hebrews, Hebrews ten twenty says, by a by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. Mm-hmm. So our Gethsemane is consecrated through him. Yes. Through his flesh. And we are set apart for it. Incredible. And and again, yeah. without losing sight and going too far adrift here because you can go we can go so much further into this but we're we're laying out for our brothers and sisters what we believe is ahead of us it's not something to be afraid of because the lord overcame he said in the world you'll have tribulation but fear not i've overcome it i've overcome it because he overcame it we can overcome it as well and 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 understand uh (laughs) what what we're what we're going to be given because see let me just put it down to basic simpler stuff here 2021 is going to begin with a bang trust me and we're going to see things accelerate in such an incredible rate and what you're really going to see things begin to move toward whether it be initially by the bear which is the maker of the law or the super state which is the leopard right which we talked about in daniel chapter 7 which is that AI system, that whole 
beast system that's able to track every human being on the face of the earth. All that's going to be, you know, uh, experienced simultaneously by every person on the face of the planet. But ultimately what it's after is, is, is the child of the living God. That's where it's headed. And when that really begins to be uh, understood, we're going to have the same kind of feeling, to be utterly astonished, to be thrown into terror, to be absolutely alarmed thoroughly, to wonder about it greatly, to be astounded, and in some sense to be made, uh, <laughs> to be rendered immovable for a moment. It's going to hit us like a ton of bricks. Not all of us, because we've been talking about this for a long time. And even we have trouble. If we could say that as humbly as I can say, like no, we're not trying to separate ourselves from anybody. Trust me, we're not. It's just, I mean, we, we've got some time under our belt in the word. So what I'm saying is, we know what we know to this point in our in our development in Christ, and even we, at this point, if it was to happen right now, would sit there absolutely stunned, even though we know and we're talking about it, and it's coming, and it's here, all that stuff. Jesus knew. He'd been preaching all along his entire ministry for this purpose that I came into the earth. What shall I say to my father? You know, take this cup from me. Are you able to be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized from? You know, you know, uh, get thee behind me, Satan. You don't savor the things which be of God, but the things which be of men. That's what he told Peter, you know. I got to go to Jerusalem. I got to die. I got to suffer on Calvary, you know, and on the third day I'll rise again. He'd been preaching that. But this. It's astounding. Because he, <laughs> this is the creative, this is the destructive and yet birthing of the eternal, the forever, the destiny, plan, purpose of God for the eighth day. That was going to necessitate that he endure something which only he could. He's first. We will have fellowship with those sufferings, but he did it. And our reward is rejoicing in that and believing that for 2,000 years. Understand what Brother Fernando just said. He's the forerunner. He went before us, proving that there's access now. The veil in his flesh was ripped open. It made a way so that every saint of God for the last 20 centuries, the last 2,000 years, have had access, immediate access, like Paul said, to be absent from my body is to be present with the Lord. Nonetheless, there was a first century church that had a Gethsemane experience unique to all the churches uh, that followed it, and now it comes to rest in the end time where another, an absolute manifestation in its fullness of this Gethsemane is just ahead because it's culminating now. And when it actually astound, and when it actually comes to pass, and and we begin to see it, and 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 people begin to realize that is the saints of God, we will have the same kind of experience. An absolute, I was sore amazed. That's that's what happened to Jesus. I was sore amazed. We're going to understand it at that level. He said he was sore amazed, and what else? That he was very heavy. <laughs> <laughs> this is the strongest word used in the in the New Testament to describe what he's about to go through, what he's experiencing simultaneously. The revelation gives way to a distress of mind. It's an anxiousness. 
That's what's going to happen. When it happens, don't be surprised. Some of you have experienced it this year. I've talked to people who said, my God, you know, they don't know what to do. They're almost, and that's just the little bit we've seen. And we've seen a lot, but it ain't nothing compared to what the scripture says is just ahead and what we sense in our spirit. He was sore amazed. He has a revelation of the big picture and then it understands in, in, in many senses that it's now upon them. And and so he begins to be very heavy. It's it's the word ademoneo, uh, uh, ademoneo. And what that literally is, is the strongest uh, use of this word in the New Testament, ademoneo. And it means to be in distress of mind, full of heaviness. But it also means to be sated to loathing. The word sated, it means to be supplied with as much or more of something than you actually desire or can even manage it. <laughs> God help us all, man. I mean, that's literally what it means, to loathing. In other words, to feel uh, loathing means a feeling of intense dislike, disgust, and hatred. You see... Not only was he distressed in mind and full of a depressive heaviness, but that gave way to a sated to loathing. In other words, this is what the word means. It means that in the revelation of the sore amazement and all that we've been talking about, and, and the initial distress and sadness of the realization, there's no turning back. I mean, this is what we're appointed to. It then gives way to something fantastic to me. Because it means that I've had enough. Oh, Jesus, help me. Hallelujah. <laughs> See, this is what propelled our great Lord to go through this. Even though he prayed, well, you know, look for an out. You know, his humanity, is there any other way? Let this cup pass from me, all that stuff, right? But, but at this moment, it's what caused him to separate himself from Peter, James, and John. It, he went to the level that only Jesus could go, our great high priest. He went into the Holy of Holies, the innermost part of the Mount of Olives and Gethsemane, and being driven with a sated to loathing. That's literally what it means. He reached the point where I've had enough. I can no longer deal with what I'm seeing. I can't manage it. And as a matter of fact, I have a feeling of intense disgust, dislike, and hatred for it. This is a hallelujah. This is a holy hatred for this world, man, for everything that it represents, for the destruction, the decay, the corruption, the filth, all of it. He hated it. Do you? <laughs> Do I? We will. We will, brothers and sisters. And 2021 is going to be that reckoning. We're going to have to settle it. Are you of this world or are you of another kingdom? Have you burned the bridges behind you? And are you looking for a city? Are you being propelled forward? Have you caught a glimpse of that glorious citadel in the heavens? And the banners that fly in the clear crystal air of eternity and the silver trumpets that blow that the angels put to their mouth and call the redeemed home 
Are you being propelled forth by that? And do you hate this world? Loathe this world? You had enough of this world. You don't even want to manage this world anymore. You're disgusted by it. Because that's the kind of people that are going to be taken into that glorious destiny that awaits the children of the Most High God. That's our Lord. That's what he did for us. He had a hatred of what Satan and his rebellion did. All that death. He saw it. He understood it for us. And he hated it for us. This is what we're going to understand. Everything the Lord did, everything the Lord experienced, he did it for us in obedience to the Father. Oh, man, the price he paid, the victory he won. My soul, that's his humanity, my mind, my will, my emotions. It's exceedingly sorrowful. He's now piercing in and out of the natural into the realm of the spirit, into the realm of the real, between the two worlds. He's exceedingly sorrowful. It literally means to be surrounded all around with grief, pressed towards death, intensely sad. These are emotions that the son of, is it any wonder that the father says, let all the angels of God worship him? Hallelujah. 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 Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. And and he goes on to say in another place that at the name of Jesus, at the name, the mere mention of the name of Jesus, let every tongue confess, let every knee bow, let every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's why he's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's why all dominion, as Daniel described him in the Son of Man passage of chapter 7, verse 14, all dominion, they brought him close to the ancient of days, and he gave him an everlasting dominion in all the kingdoms of this world, of everything that God has ever made. It belongs to him. And if you love him, you belong to him. My Lord, we're just getting started. <laughs> and he tells them, Terry, you here and watch. What we must do and prepare to do, we must pray. The word watch, Terry, you here and watch, verse 34, uh, it literally means uh, Gregoreo. It means to stay awake. Preacher, father, head of your house, grandfathers, uncle, brothers, be men. Take care of your women. Hallelujah. You fight for your family. You be men. Select your faculties. That's what he literally said. Get yourself together. Stay awake. Be vigilant. What, what's being told us here? You know, this is the middle of the night that they're experiencing here. A little, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and so shall thy poverty come. Jesus had trained for 33 years for this moment. Many times the Gospels tell us the disciples woke up. He wasn't there. Why? Because he, he had risen a great while before day. He trained himself. He trained himself physically. So when the moment came, 
the, he, unlike what we see in the disciples, what we learn by them is that they were overcome, but that wasn't that they weren't prayer warriors or anything like that. It's just that they were overcome. They hadn't fully trained. He told them what to do. He's telling us what to do. Wake up, get ready, and pray. Nothing else is going to get you through this. Your little promise scripture box is nice and as fun as that is. It ain't going to do it. Your gospel calendar, a scripture for the day, that ain't going to do it. He said, stay awake. Watch. Select your faculties. Stay awake. This is physical endurance. Remember what he comes back in later and says? Your spirit's willing, but what? Your flesh is weak. Why is your flesh weak? Because you haven't spent nights in prayer. You haven't got up when God woke you up. You haven't trained yourself. You haven't been ready for this moment. And so now, even though your heart, you're being overcome by the oppressive moving of darkness, and you don't have spirit, soul, and body trained and developed in the realm of the spirit to be a force of righteousness. Yield not your members as instruments of unrighteousness, he said, but yield your members as weapons of righteousness as those that live in eternity now. My God. So we don't fault them, but we learn from them. And this is what we must have a cautionary tale about as we go into 2021. Begin to train yourself. Well, I'm not just a morning person. Well, I ain't talking to you. <laughs> you go do what you want to do. Go turn on some Joel Osteen. That'll make you feel better. I'm talking to the serious men out there. <laughs> I'm talking to the soldiers. Look how Timothy was talked to by his, his father. He said, you endorse hardness like a good soldier. That's what he said to Timothy. Timothy was, was kind of crying and stuff. Paul's in prison. And he, said, he writes him a letter. He says, endure hardness, boy. Don't entangle yourselves with the affairs of this life. Study to show yourself approval. Workmen, workmen that needed not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. That your profiting may appear to all. My God, that's how Paul talked to his son. Oh, God. We're going to see. And then he goes into the Holy of Holies, as it were, the inner part of, of the garden. He went forward a little bit further fell on the ground and prayed. The word prayer there literally means to make supplication, but the component is worship. My Lord. I, what we're talking about is so holy right now. I mean, it, it is a conviction of the Holy Spirit. We all better get ready. I'm telling you, you better get ready. You're going to be hit like a big old fish across your face right out of the sea. I mean, it's going to be slapped upside our heads, man. If we're not ready, something's coming. It's a Gethsemane, and we're going to have to determine in that garden, will we be able to say with understanding now, not my will. Your will be done, Father. Your resurrection's on the other side of this. It's only three days away, right? <laughs> it's not going to be long. There's a resurrection. There's a victory over all this. It's here now. So even though the bullets are going to be flying, as it were, right, the chaos and the fog of war, use whatever euphemism you want to use, man. That's where we are right now. It's going to increase. The greatest battle the world has ever seen is about to occur in a few days, January the 6th. 
as this nation is about to enter in and be plunged into some very interesting things. Now, we need to be cautionary about not giving ourselves into emotional responses and critique of what we see as it comes out as 24-7, but yet we need to be wise and steady and move through the waters guided by the wind of the Spirit beneath our sail, as it were, as he takes us through the economy of the word and begins to speak to us in very intimate and profound ways. He will guide you. And he will lead you. He says, watch. Goes a little further and he worshiped. Let us learn from this. That's the key. He worshiped God. He worshiped God before he asked him. Is it possible this hour could pass? And what he said was so powerful. Well, we, I wish we had much more time. I, I, but the, the word hour means the moment, the point of time. It needs to be understood in a different way. He's not just talking about, you know, that's six o'clock in the evening. He's not talking about this time. He's talking about might pass. This hour might pass. Move past me. It's the mystery of the fullness of time. To every purpose, there's a season, right? This is what he's talking about. It, it is so incredible what the Lord did. He forged the way. And how he's talking, how he's revealing, he's wanting us to understand at a much more grown-up level. To, you know, to like climb up on that wall and look over the other side. And hold yourself there. And if you ain't strong enough to hold yourself there, well, try it again tomorrow. Try it again the next day. And each and every day you're going to be able to hold yourself above the wall, above above the thing that blocks our ability from getting more than just a mere glimpse, but a sustained understanding and focus of the real. Remember, he went through these things for us so that we might understand our times now they are prophetic. <laughs> My Lord, there's so much more. He was ex What was he experiencing? He's, he's experiencing prophecy, scripture, the will of God. You know, he asked, can this cup be taken from me? What cup was he talking about? He was talking about the cup of salvation. Is there any other way to achieve salvation? to achieve a whole new paradigm, a whole new dimension, a whole new construct, an expressive creation of God known as the eighth day, the other side of the millennium. He's forging it. It's what he was doing. And he said, is there any other way we can achieve this, Father? This cup of salvation what he was talking about let's close with this in in psalm 116 because that's what we have here in psalm 116 are you there brother jeremy uh yes i am in verse three and four we have an insight to what he's going through in the garden could you read three and four the sorrows of death compass me, and the pains of hell get hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, 
I beseech thee, deliver my soul. That's what he was saying to the Father. That's what David is revealing to us he was going through. He calls upon the name of the Lord. He says, I'm surrounded. That's what we've been just discussing. That's what we're going to feel like. But he, he reveals here in that I called upon the name of the Lord to deliver my soul. Remember what he said? My soul is exceedingly troubled. But then he goes on and and, <laughs> and he reveals that he, we ain't got time to go through all this. But but he he submits to that when he says, not my will, but yours be done. Read verse 12 and 13, would you, Brother Jeremy? Of, of 116? Yes, please. Yes. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what he did. Remember what he said? Let this cup pass from me. Well, when you read Psalm 116, you're actually reading the Garden of Gethsemane. You're reading the resurrection. You're reading the ultimate victory. He talks about his death, precious in the sight of the Lord, or the death of his saints. doesn't stay there because the Lord reveals to him in verse 9, he's going to live forever. That's what he's going to reveal to you. That's what he's going to reveal to me in a greater depth. Read verse 9, Brother Jeremy. Yes. It says, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Hallelujah. All these things are going to be revealed in Gethsemane, all of it. And he, he, for us, he took that cup of salvation. From the cross, he called, he called upon his father. He won the victory. I don't know if you've ever been startled by the greatest. I mean, I've been in Texas and Louisiana where some of the biggest, loudest claps of thunder that you can imagine. I mean, a cracking thunder. When Jesus proclaimed, into thy hands I commend my spirit, a clap of thunder shattered every dimension. He called upon the name of his Father, and he redeemed his soul. And so he redeemed the souls of all men who will ever call upon his name. Let's close with this in Hebrews chapter 10. Turn over there real quick, Brother Jeremy. Jesus goes on to say, I will pay my vows to the Lord. What vow? <laughs> he made vows in eternity past, and he paid them in the natural realm. Hebrews chapter 10. Brother, Brother Fernando was there earlier by the Spirit. He, he could see it. This is pretty cool. Um, look at, are you there, Brother Jim? Yes. Uh, could you read to us, I think it is, what he said here, uh, he's paying his vows in verse 5 through 7. What does it say? Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices of sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. To do thy will, O God. That's what he prayed. And so a maturity level as we go forward is going to be accelerated. We talked about the eight, the three, and the only one. He's God. God is one, right? 
and he prayed to his father, not my will, but thy will be done. This was written. How many times did he say that the scriptures might be fulfilled? Then said I, lo, I'm coming the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will. Oh, God. And in so doing, verse 9 and 10. Did you read that, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He take it, he take it the way the first, that he may establish the second, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once and for all, praise the Lord. He took away the first expression of creation, not just the law or the legal Judaistic system. He's talking about something far greater here. It has its origins in the rebellion of Lucifer and the plunging of the original first estate into corruption. But in the great wisdom of God, he wrestled away that power in the first estate in order to establish the second. And that is what we must set our sights on and understand. All of us will be quickened in that, trust me. The Holy Spirit is going to reveal that greater and greater to us. It is going to be the anchor for our soul. We are going to transcend where we are right now as we close out 2020. And if we will pursue God, watch and pray, gather our faculties, all that stuff we've been talking about, we will make it to the other side. We're going to make it to the other side because our Lord did it for us. All we got to do is follow his footsteps. Listen, we must enter into the plan and the purpose with understanding. Think higher. Set your sights on things above. An invitation is being extended. The light is closing in on this world. The shadows are growing darker. Remember, our Lord emerged from that garden just as we will, fully in control. And he met his oppressors and enemies head on. Resurrection, victory, whatever word you want to use, his kingdom, it is at hand. You know, there, these and so many other things will 2021 bring. A time of revelation, of understanding, of an embracing of the Lord's will, knowing that his kingdom is soon to appear. And that's why we always pray. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We thank you for being with us this year, and we look forward to seeing you on the other side. <laughs> and we're looking forward to seeing you on the other side. We love you, and it has been our privilege and honor to take this journey through 2020. But together, we head into 2021. And we continue to look up with great expectation, knowing that it is the Lord who is doing these things. It won't be long now, and Jesus will come. Brother Fernando, would you start us off by just giving us your thoughts and uh, and, and and about 2020, briefly, if you could, and, and, and just uh, whatever you feel in your heart as we close out this year, and then close us out, Brother Jeremy. We will return on January the 4th. I believe that's Monday. 
Uh, we're taking the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to be with our families. And, uh, and we pray that you have a blessed and wonderful new year. Together, in the Lord, we're going to make it. We love you. Thank you for being with us this year. We look forward to seeing you next year <laughs> in Jesus' name. Brother Fernando. Amen. Um, close to the most interesting, I think, prophetic year of my lifetime. It's coming to a close. Um, but I do believe that um, much of what has been said this year will begin to be revealed this following year going and going forth as well. Um, something that you said uh, to me yesterday when... when uh, when Jesus would say things, you know, that he wouldn't do anything that the Father would not tell him to do. Yeah. Right? And that's his word. To simplify everything, that's really where we need to be. And it's, and it's to do everything his word says, or at least attempt to, by his grace, to do everything his word says and to not do Right, what his word says not to do. It's really, when it comes down to it, all God is requiring from us is obedience. That's it. Just be obedient unto him just like Jesus was. Jesus is our Savior and he is the ultimate example. He will not require of you, Jesus will not require of you anything that he has not gone through. <clears throat> but he's given us the grace to go through our Gethsemane experience when it comes. And we are able to overcome in his name, in Jesus' name, the name that's yeah. above all others, Jesus. Praise. Amen. 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 My final thoughts on 2020 is that it has revealed many things in our lives and one of the things that i was just sensing as the teaching was brother marty was teaching is just we realized just how rooted we truly are to this world and god never told us to be rooted in this world he just said we are of this world but we're not of this world we are in this world but we're not of this world and i think that as we see a transitioning happening, everything that has taken place in 2020 and where we're heading, we're going to have to detach ourselves from everything of this world so that we may begin to look for that city. We are just pilgrims passing by. And I just sense that many of us are in that struggle. You know, uh, as as we read today, the spirit is ruling, but the flesh is weak. Well, it's that <laughs> this that is is that root that we have in the things of this world that yes. we need to come to grips with it. That things will never be the same. We are not of this world. We're just in it momentarily. We're just pilgrims passing by. But we're looking for a city. Yeah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, Praise. let not your heart be troubled. I go to prepare a place that wherever I go, you may go to. 
And we just want to tell you, we'll be praying for one another and looking forward to continue as long as God gives us breath. We will take this gospel. We will bring what God tells us. We will say what God tells us to say until he comes. We love you with all our hearts. Stay close to your family. Stay close to your family as you get ready to meet 2021. Pray, come together, and just um, pray together and, and be together and, and, and love God and seek his face while there's still chance. We love you with all our hearts. We pray the Lord bless you. We pray the Lord keep you. And as always, keep looking up. Praise God. Mm-hmm. <laughs>